0: to episode 26 of the Coach Fury Podcast. That's me, I'm Coach Fury. Who are you, Fury? Hey guys, I am a fitness educator and professional. I offer classes and personal training in the Gowanus area of Brooklyn, New York. I also offer online coaching and I teach for several organizations where I'll do workshops and write for them, share videos, uh, make faces on the internet. And that includes the RKC Kettlebell Certification, Original Strength, DVRT Ultimate Sandbag Training, And the amazing group, Strength Faction, where I met today's guest through is actually through Strength Faction first. Uh, Before we get to that, if you're interested in taking um, training with me, taking a class, personal training, online training, or coming to one of my courses, head on over to CoachFury.com, and you can find out where to find me, how to find me, how to sign up for stuff. I know I've got a lot of original strength in particular happening coming up. We're going to be in Vermont at Casey Lee's place on April 8th. That's Parisi the Edge in may may 12th i'm going to be in austin texas at matt Berman's place dow health and fitness and on june 9th at james newman's quest fitness in guilford connecticut i've got in may early may i've got the rkc2 second annual rkc2 at catalyst sport in new york and the schedule is filling out so come take some courses and learn um with me and together i also learned from you let's be honest some of the best cues i've picked up i've actually picked up from attendees it's wonderful. So I hope to see you there or out of class or online training or personal training. Either way, thank you for listening. Enough about me. Let's talk about my guest. Hey, Erica Hurst of Hurst Strength and Gnarly Babes is the guest on this one. <laughs> and yes, you did hear that word come out of my mouth or a pair of words, but I'm gonna let Erica talk about what that is. It's one of the best niche programs I've heard of. Uh, Erica is somebody that I met through Strength Faction, came and took an RKC with me, destroyed the RKC with me, assisted with me on an RKC, destroyed it as an assistant. And uh, she's just somebody that continues to impress me, I think carries herself in a really wonderful way. And I look forward to you guys learning more about her. So thank you for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone out there, Erica Hurst. Welcome to the show. Hey, Erica, how did we meet each other?
1: We met at RKC. Um.
0: <laughs> that, was almost, that was a while ago now. That was Well, not like a long time ago, but it's um, kind of how quickly that flew by.
1: Yeah, that was – was that year, last year?
0: Year and a half.
1: Year and a half. No, yeah, you, took, was,
0: you took it in 2016 with me. and yeah, then, it was October. <laughs> and then super short notice you assisted mm-hmm. um, with Dan and I on my team, on Team Fury, at the first big one over at Crunch. And they just had the second one um, last month.
1: Yeah, I saw that. That looked awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, I only stopped by to say hi. It looked really cool. Uh, It was was, for me, it was a very unique experience that when I got back on the RKC after the split with um, the Strong First crew, you know, a lot of people had let their RKCs lapse and there weren't a lot of people to choose as assistants Mm -hmm. that were still active. And when I went and visited to say, hey, they had a bunch of assistants and all of them had gone through. A course that I either led or co-led, and I was like, "Holy shit, we've been building this back up!" Like it was. That's really, awesome. There were lots of red shirts to be had at that. Yes, one. that that's was awesome. cool. So we met at the RKC, but we really met, sort of not in person, but unofficially through Strength Faction.
1: That's right, right? we did. Yeah, and we, we kind of had our Strength Faction crew at RKC.
0: Yeah, we actually had a, which that was, was awesome. <laughs> that was really awesome. Every yeah. now and then, and the OS course that happened, like the. Five months later, four months mm-hmm. later, at MFF the following year, last year uh, was another like heavily Strength Faction attended OS course, which is that's cool.
1: awesome. <laughs> uh,
0: for the listeners, you hear us talk about, you hear me talk about Strength Faction. A lot of a lot of my newer friends that I've met over the last couple of years have been through Strength Faction. It just tends to draw in a really good group of. I don't even want to say like-minded, but like like-minded trainers, but just really decent progressive humans that are actually just trying to get really good at their gig, but also better at life. And I think that's really important. Sometimes we think about getting better at life as like making more money and having more shit, and then getting better at our career is just all the career, but to actually be rounded on both. And Strength Faction, I think, is one of the few that actually like supports both aspects of that, because trainer life is hectic. Um,
1: Yeah, it's very, very like growth-focused group.
0: So you took a little bit of a break from the faction and then came back. And hey, listeners, if you haven't heard um, anything about Strength Faction, I don't know what other podcast you've been listening to. We've <laughs> got several episodes of members, um, including Todd Bumgardner who's responsible for this podcast, actually making it happen or, or providing me the outline to make this happen. Uh, Chris Merritt, Kristen Callahan, a bunch of people from Strength Faction have been on here. But uh, we're an online trainer education development group, and we focus on stuff like uh, programming, coaching, uh, business development, personal development, and we just have a killer community, as we were just speaking about. So, I do want to hit up something as I'm talking fast, Erica. So, we met initially um, on the interwebs and mm-hmm. through our uh, online Q and As through Strength Faction, and then you came and not only like passed your RKC, crushed it.
1: <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs>
0: but then you took a break from strength faction to focus on business. You got a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. going on and now you're back in strength faction. What, what was like a a big takeaway from your first round and what are you finding different now that you're back in it?
1: Um, there's a lot more stuff this time around. Um, I mean the first time was awesome. The first time I did it, I think I was in, I was in one of the first groups that, that went through it and I was just like blown away by, by all the awesome like continuing ed stuff and like the lessons about programming. Um, but now this time there's like business stuff. There's, um, there's more about like, um, what they're doing now about like the onboarding process and stuff with new clients, which is awesome. Um, it's just more stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's been, it's been very cool to see it grow. The more rounds that we've had of strength Faction, the more sort of, uh, areas that we see coaches could use help. Yeah. Yeah. That's- new groups and the same groups of people coming through. And I definitely have noticed like the business development side has just gotten sharper and sharper. And obviously having Pete um, uh, from Cressy is just fucking huge. I mean, you know, it's like every every one of these people involved is sort of worth the price of admission on their own.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh,
0: And for me, it's just, you sit back and you read, you know, a lot of the lessons have been, you know, sometimes a repeat But Mm -hmm. because there's so much material, you can't focus on certain things. And then all of a sudden something hits you differently. One phase that missed on the other. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. They've definitely upped the offerings on that.
1: Yeah. For me, it's helpful because it's just, it's just me at my gym. I don't have any other like coaches or trainers there. So um, I kind of get locked in my own head sometimes and just having access to other coaches to bounce ideas off of, or just hear what other people are doing. That's super helpful for me.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, let me ask you this. Do you rent? Like, do you have your own physical space? or Are you renting space within a space? Like, that's all yours?
1: No, I, yeah, it's all mine.
0: Wow, that's it's awesome. At least,
1: but I mean, it's still, it's me. yeah, yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I know for me, when I decided to make the switch to teach from home, like entirely, I've always had some sessions, uh, a, a number of sessions a week in my training room, but then I actually started teaching classes here. Mm-hmm. I know it was like, I just put up a post on Strength Faction, who's teaching from home, and got yeah. like, had a great call with Pat, and like, just, it was super helpful.
1: Yeah. And everyone's,
0: yeah. everyone's there to help each other out. Like it is like uh, kind of amazing for a bunch of alpha men and women. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we all realize that about us by the way, yeah. but I feel like from being in there, we're a bunch of like, we're like a, 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 a wolf pack of alphas
1: Definitely that alphas. don't
0: realize they're alphas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah and it, it's been like no one has an ego like we all have yeah. pretty strong personalities i think yeah. that's something that could be said but we, no one has like an ego that's trying to crush someone and that's a super unique position to be in
1: yeah yeah it's a very chill chill vibe in strength action
0: yeah it's and like uh, uh under uh, underestimatedly if that's a fucking word uh, created <laughs> too underestimatedly <laughs> go look that up in your dictionary <laughs> shit um but like you know like todd writing you know working on his novel and those guys mm-hmm. playing music and stuff and people just trying to you know get stuff out there in other ways it's been really cool and it's been cool now that i've been in it for a while seeing how other people really shine mm-hmm. uh, like i know kirk adams and his social media in particular Kristen callahan in particular mm-hmm. um you know switching locations into a place that she's feeling really pumped on and Casey. i feel like this is the year the phase of casey lee who yeah. <laughs> just seems to be crushing it across yeah. the board? Yeah. And you, uh, I'm gonna throw this out. <laughs> One of the reasons why I was really excited to have you on here was was a couple of things. Like the whole purpose of this podcast was to uh, let people hear from friends of mine that might be known in fitness that I get to teach with or associate with, um, that I call my friends and also people that you might not have heard of, including myself, uh, that I really think you should. Cause so here's a couple of cool things about Erica. A she is like one of those just strong as fuck, um, but doesn't walk around like it women. So <laughs> not only did she crush us RKC when we had the, the first big crunch RKC, um, last when was it June of last year, right? That was June. Yeah. Was it? I think it was June. It feels like a long time ago. But yeah, I think it was June. Was it? No. Yeah, it was June or May? July. May? <laughs> no, nah, it couldn't have been May because we did there anyway. Let's yeah. <laughs> With two weeks' notice. I was like, I, you know, there was suddenly like, you know, Dan John had asked if if I can get some more assistance in. There weren't enough people. And I went through my crew of people that, you know, I knew would not only crush it from a coaching and demonstration and working with people thing, um, but also uh, who's going to be prepared to snatch test like immediately basically like you can't prep really in 2 weeks other than maybe regroove it a little bit <laughs> and you came in and just dominated <laughs> you know that that snatch test was like hey it was like we, even when people research and I've been in this mode you still see this big fall off sometimes in the last 30 reps of a snatch test and yours, (laughs) I could have rewound that thing forward or back and it would have looked the same. And anybody that's been gone through or has gotten in a leadership at a kettlebell thing, or has really spent a lot of time with snatch tests, you know, when that stands out, when someone's snatch test does not degrade. Like I remember reserting Kathy Dooley, Jason Kapnick, and Joe Boffy at Catalyst. I want to say this was from the beginning, the, the last RKC of 2016. And all three of them just crushed their snatch tests. And I mean Jason and Joe were even doing the the midder hand switch, which I'm like, Ooh. I'm too <laughs> afraid to try that stuff. Um so that was super impressive. So what else? Was, was, no, sorry, go that ahead. Was, Amy.
1: That was the one when I did like what I do, like hundred and fifty snatches or something instead of <laughs> or, or like
0: I forgot about that. That was a
1: nightmare.
0: (laughs) Here's the thing to think about when you're trying to submit a video for a snatch test. Uh, I always recommend sending in 103 reps so that if you get two no counts, there's potential for backup. Right. And but instead of just a few extra reps, (laughs) you might want to have somebody help counting or at least if they're helping counting, they're paying attention because I think Erica did do like I think 120 to 130 reps within the five minutes. All were legit. and None had any sort of uh, conditioning degradation. Nothing slowed down. Uh, You just found your rhythm. And I think that's a lost art on snatch test. People like are afraid to find their rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. uh, They try to gun it to get it done. Yeah, And some people, that is their rhythm, but more often than not, they're trying to force it. So then things slow up as we get, you know, dramatically as opposed to a little bit as you get closer. But yeah, yours was... I, <laughs>
1: I really found a rhythm there.
0: <laughs> and then since that time, though, so I got to know you then. And then you came and, you know, assisted at that RKC on, on on Team Fury. And I got to see you work there. But then I've also noticed, and this is one of the things I wanted to have you on, is you you've been very... I mean, I've only known you for a couple of years now, but your social media, it seems like you've been opening up more and you Mm -hmm. become uh, way more honest. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that comes up as a common theme, both with the women that have been on this podcast and with the dudes is that we're aware of like, especially from women, there's like a a, a pressure to market yourself based on your looks, based on your figure, based on the outfit you're wearing, Mm -hmm. based on whatever, right? There's so many extra pressures. And guys, we have that too, but it's really... Uh, it's a different thing, but there are a bunch of guys that are just trying to like, you know, like look at the cover of any like men's health magazine or whatever. Like you're going to see, we have that version of what strength is supposed to be as well. But you've done a very good, open, honest, authentic version of just being you and letting people see you in a way that I don't think comes across as a marketing angle.
1: Yeah. yeah. Cause
0: I, I think a lot of women and dudes, cause I do this too. Uh, have the best of intentions of being open about something and expressing something that means a lot to them. But sometimes I do think it's like we're reading the market right now and this is a, I'm, I'm going to try to uh, be on the openness trend. Mm-hmm. What was the change that you think you felt that suddenly, I, I don't want to say that it was suddenly, but started you being more open to share that way?
1: Um, Probably just, just working with so many women in person is just like, People or our clients just respond so much better when we don't put a face on. So in my gym, like I am probably considered unprofessional. but I'm just very laid back. We laugh a lot. Like I'm very authentic. I I, I tell, my, tell my clients everything about myself and like any fuck-ups that I have or, you know, if I eat a whole piece of chocolate cake or something. Like I never try to hide anything from my clients. I never try to th- make them think that I'm perfect or that I'm some like – Elite, elite fitness person, you know, I just, and, and they respond so much better to that than, than trying to be something else, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, you know, I completely agree. I think there's a lot of, th- th- there's a connection that could be made when you're open in admitting your flaws mm-hmm. versus I think sometimes people either A, try to pretend they're perfect or B, try to pretend like they're so heavily f- flawed and special.
1: Yeah. Right? Like there's that yeah. like
0: just being human aspect of like yeah. you know, I have always way before I ever picked up a fitness book, you know, just being, you know, we can talk about well, I definitely want to talk about music later, but just growing up as like a punk rock metal kid, like I feel like everyone's broken, everyone's got their damage. Mm-hmm. It's how how well are we hiding it or how yeah. are we to expressing it, or how are we leveraging it, right? Yeah. And in social media, you can leverage the damage to make you money too, without it necessarily being honest as well. It's, it's yeah. And have you seen any sort of positive outcomes since that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think like a lot of the women that I work with have um, a lot of emotional stuff going on that they attach to both their nutrition and working out and their bodies in general, um, like poor body image and emotional eating and all that stuff. And I think we can't just address those things themselves. We have to address the things that lead to those things. So I think being more open about my struggles and, and that there is a big emotional component to those things and, and letting them know that rather than like what they're usually used to on social media or in, me, in mainstream media, like, here, do just do this diet and this will fix all your problems. This. Like, no, we got to approach the, the inter- internal stuff first. What's going on in your head, that kind of stuff.
0: Where, where do you guide them on that? Do you try to take that on yourself? Do you have like sort of like a referral system for like, you know, are you going to a psychologist to help them deal with that? Like some sort of other nutritionist person? How, how are you sort of helping them conquer the why behind the eating versus the what they're eating?
1: Yeah. Um, I definitely refer out to, actual mental health professionals and I'm not afraid to do that or, or recommend that to people. Cause I, I think that's huge, um, or hugely valuable. Um, but yeah, that's, that's completely out of my scope. And like in a lot of my disclaimers, I put that I am not a mental health professional. I can't really help you with these body image and, and mental health issues, but here's the stuff we can address. And, and I just more work on, um, just perspective and attitude towards, um, food and how it's not, um, it's not, a, it, or exercise, I'm sorry, how it's not a punishment or something that we do to earn food and just kind of help switch their mindset into more of, so I guess, strength-based um, where where we're using exercise as something to build ourselves up and make ourselves more capable so we can have more awesome lives outside of the gym and then use nutrition to fuel ourselves rather than um, starve ourselves, for lack of a better word.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a really hard cycle. I've been... For myself, I know I've always known I'm an emotional eater and mm-hmm. I'm also like an instant gratification kind of guy. And yeah, most people def- are. I'm definitely feeling and, and and seeing the results of it. Like since you know this whole Graves thing kicked in, like I've gone where I dropped a shitload of weight very quickly because my metabolism was completely fucked. And that was mm-hmm. like a nice side of it, but I was trembling, like I had tremors. Yeah. Um and then as my metabolism You know, like when it goes back to a baseline after ramping so high, it feels like it stopped. And then, but I still had this emotional thing where like at that time I could eat anything I wanted because I was burning off. And now I'm heavier again, but now I've been training again, but now I'm getting bigger in a good way as well. But now I'm like, shit, my belly. Um, And it's just, I know for me, it's habits, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I... (sighs) you know, I don't think I've ever expressed this way. Uh, If people could see the, the, the video conference we're watching right now, you could see like the Godzilla and Star Wars toys behind me. I think, and this is a new thing to me, I think I have a nostalgic sense of comfort from the shitty foods I eat when I eat them, because they remind me of a safer time when I didn't need to stress about stuff. Right? Like, The the, the stress I carried in school, and I have to put myself back into like a high school frame of mind to realize like, shit, there was some real stuff that stressed me out. And I had some like legit fears and like things that got picked on. But like, overall in time, I think more about the good stuff that happened than the bad stuff. Uh, but I realized like in the crap that I eat, like it's nostalgia and it's also cause my kids are here and I, I'm trying to like, they don't have great eating habits. I'm, I try, but they're also kids and I, I didn't want to be that dude. Who's like, I remember when I started training, people were like, other coaches were like, yeah, I've been giving my kid a protein shake and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's one of the things that I love when Danny Cavallo and I started hanging out and going on like play dates together. It's like our kids eat like kids. Like we understand. Yeah. yeah that they have that, you know, and they'll hopefully make their own decisions and not have this fucked up nostalgia or emotions attached to it. But they'll also have parental figures that like work out and express themselves through movement and stuff. But I know on one end, I've been bumming about like my waistline. On the other end, I'm like, man, I'm just super grateful. I can actually lift stuff and not tremor. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. but I, I tend to focus more on the the negative side of, of of that I put on pounds versus that like I can act I'm actually not shaking holding a cup of coffee
1: yeah 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 that's that's legit stuff right there
0: <laughs> you know it's funny you mentioned too this false image of people have so I don't know if you've seen the Baywatch movie I, I, I anyone no, yeah, I, haven't, no I, haven't. I, haven't, I haven't finished it yet <laughs> Uh, it's not particularly good, but I, I do love The Rock. But there's a scene where there's like this nerdy guy. He literally, the first time you meet him, he's wearing like a Donkey Kong shirt. And he's on the life Donkey
1: lifeguard. Kong was the best.
0: Oh, it was. Especially like... I'm back in the day, ColecoVision Donkey Kong, like, yeah. or Superman. Mario- yeah, that was the best, Donkey Kong. Yeah.
1: But there's a scene <laughs> where,
0: like, he finally gets on the lifeguard team, and it's like, you know, super, super, super shredded rock, Zach Efron, all these hot women in bikinis, and like, they're like, we're taking orders for food, and he's like, I'll have a salad. And they're like, well, they still have great burgers and stuff. And he's like, <laughs> not in shape. He's like, no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a salad kind of guy. Yeah. And then he goes, they all go to sit down and eat, and everyone that's in shape is eating horribly right they're all having like burgers and fries and shakes and sodas and he's trying to have his greens and he literally's like i really thought you guys had to have restrictive diets to look like that but it's just funny because he just really does blow up this reality of like anybody that's like super shredded has to really be super on point to the yeah. lack of, to the point where it is going to affect your social life mm-hmm. to a degree and how you go out and, and, and enjoy your time amongst your friends and family. And I just thought it was hilarious that he addressed it in front of the Rock and Zac Efron. <laughs> um, but I think that's something that we we look at these people we look up to. The thing that I've noticed because I like drinking beer is you see in these movies like all these like studly people like even in the Avengers they're having like beers right. Mm-hmm. And, like, no calories put on. You know, like, you just, as a guy, you're like, oh, like, I mean, they're all doing this burger and beer life. But, like, outside of it, we all know that they're not training that way. At least yeah. fit- us fitness professionals know they're not training that way. So it's just a really weird dichotomy. And I think it's great the more we can blow the myths up mm-hmm. into honesty. You know, I'm forgetting uh, – what well, Ridge and I, on the last episode, we just talked about, you know, a lot, we, you don't hear about steroids in Hollywood as much as you used to because it's not as obvious as Stallone and Schwarzenegger and whatnot. But, like, let's be honest. It's, like, all over the place still. Yeah.
1: Yeah, even um, out of Hollywood.
0: Oh, I mean, you know, we, yeah. how, many, how many blogs have come out or articles have come out about, you know, CrossFit and the use in CrossFit?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
0: And I got to be honest, like, I'm not even like, I'm not trying to be negative upon it. Yeah, yeah. It would be great if everyone just went like, yeah, this is my workout cycle. I, (laughs) you know, I I eat this much chicken, this much broccoli. I train this many times a day and I shoot this into my bloodstream.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It would be a happier world.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I don't care what other people do with their bodies. That's their business, whatever. But just be honest. Totally,
0: (laughs) totally. So let's talk about your spot for a minute. Like, so... You're self-owned, and do you do mostly small group, private training?
1: Um, I do semi-private. So it's and like one-on-one, on, one on one, but there's like three or four people um, in the gym at the same time. And I mean, it's small enough so that I'm overlooking and coaching everyone at once. But they're all it, on their own program.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, and everyone's got their own program. And how, yeah. how far ahead do their programs run? Like how many weeks is a program?
1: Uh, Four or five. Awesome. Yeah. Uh,
0: and how do you think they find that as a value in terms of, I know obviously financially. So if anybody doesn't, isn't aware, semi-private is, it's just what she said, it, it, Erica said, it. it's, it's the closest to one-on-one training, but it becomes cheaper because you have more people in it, right, you're sharing. It does allow trainers to make more money and owners to make more money per hour, cause you're able to have more people to work with at the hour. But for me, the cool part of that's been also like the communal experience, right? People get to know each other a little bit. How have you seen that? Has that always been your business model? Did you switch to it?
1: Um, Yeah, I started as semi-private, but that's been such an integral part of just building up my business and growing um, is just having more than one person in the gym at once and everyone kind of just um, organically kind of built their own community as my clients. And it's been awesome watching that.
0: That's really cool. And how do you th- yeah. how do how do most people find you? Is it through uh, word of mouth? Is it for referrals? Is it through social media? How are most people finding out about you?
1: Um, most of it is word of mouth and referrals. Um, other people are just online.
0: That's cool. Yeah, it's tricky. There's a, in the DVRT group. There's a big thread about you know, uh, still doing like emailing newsletters and Mm -hmm. versus like, you know, Facebook, social media, Instagram, you know, marketing to try to bring in. And I think there's this real big switch right now between people trying to get reach in terms of, you know, likes and followers and subscribers versus actual people coming to train with you Mm -hmm. or show up at a course. Yeah. I can't help from everything that we've got, talked about in strength faction, certainly any, um. The, everyone seems to be in my head. We're going back to, I think word of mouth is going to be the biggest thing. Yeah. Unless you're some sort of crazy, like fast cashy, like internet business. Like that's the only yeah. way I can kind of see that happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I got to be careful. Like I can't do any big marketing like that because I have such limited space and limited time. Cause it's just me. So I can't have like 30 people rush into my gym at the same time. Cause I wouldn't oh, be able fine. to handle, I wouldn't be able to handle the volume.
0: How do you do onboarding? Do you do like a a, a one-on-one consult- consultation first or?
1: Yeah, we do a consultation um, with a FMS type eval and then they're in.
0: Cool. Yeah. I'm still trying to sharpen up my onboarding here right now. It's small enough where, you know, most of my classes are either one to two people right now. So I'm able to modify the class on the fly to work on like deadlifting more or swings mm-hmm. or the get up more. So that's been super cool. But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the day where more people are coming in, but I'm, I'm still on that new reach thing. Cause it is in my living room. Yeah. I don't have any outs outside signage or anything. So yeah. mine is word of mouth and a bit of the social media, but the social media is oddly reminding friends of mine, like this is happening. It's more of like a, it's become more of a heads up than people that already know me than generating new business.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, where I am, I'm in like an industrial park, like hidden in the back and I have a small sign out front, but most people just like whiz right by it. Most people don't even know I'm there.
0: (laughs) That's kind of great though.
1: Which is is kind of okay with me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's weird. You know, I, I would love – I, I keep fluctuating through life if I want to ever open up an official space, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when I, when I interviewed Mark Fisher Fitness, Mark, you know, one of the questions they asked is, where do you see yourself in five years? And I was like, you know, I'd, I'd like to be running my own place and blah, blah, blah. And then going in and seeing how Mark was running MFF, I'm like, I could never be better than this place, so why would I even try? Like, I yeah. have that thing. Like, the systems that are in place here are so, you know, just stellar. How, how, why would I even bother? And now that I, you know, I started to try to do something and the rents in my part of town are so insane that working from home makes total sense.
1: Yeah.
0: But, you know, I still sort of think about that, but it's always in Brooklyn. I always feel like people really struggle to be either like right on the main street or you're so industrial that I don't know if people will get it because it's like a different thing. Like you're not driving to it, you're, mm-hmm. you're walking to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And legitimately some parts of my, my neighborhood are a little sketchy. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I do like the idea of still, like, in my head of just being, like, this, like, hole in the wall, almost secret society type place (laughs) that, you know, we just know about.
1: Yeah, it's like a hidden clubhouse.
0: Yeah, like, years ago, there's a new one, but years ago in in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, there used to be a a private skateboard park called the Mm -hmm. Autumn Bowl. And you basically had to know somebody, and if you kind of got vetted in, you could pay a monthly fee to have a key and then you could literally go to the skate park and unlock it whenever you wanted, but it was on a real sketchy alley right along the water the you know the building was a huge warehouse space but like you know i mean it had to have been like 't eighty foot ceilings and it had a you know bowl in it and a mini ramp, and it. it was amazing that
1: 's awesome and
0: it was no man 's land and, but it was like and you could go in whenever you wanted and I kind of wish it, my gym could be like that, but with me, <laughs> me here, at scheduled hours. Um, but even that space, it's like, that's become like all condos and stuff right now. Really? Yeah. a
1: really good idea, though, for a gym.
0: Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, just so you know, everybody gets a key, and yeah. uh, here are the hours. And I'm sure people are doing that, but you yeah. would have to have some more, like, um, if people are actually training on programs and coaching, I guess. But uh, there is something to be said, probably, of just having, like, an open gym status that way. Mm-hmm but all, all it takes is one person getting hurt in your home. Yeah, I was
1: going to say the insurance company would love that.
0: <laughs> Whereas skateboarders have such a better code of like, you know, I mean, I literally blew my shoulder out in that bowl and then three years later my knee out in that bowl and it was mm-hmm. never like, I'm going to sue this place. It was just like, this yeah. part of it. Whereas yeah. in fitness, suddenly people like, yeah, get all like, I'm going to sue. It's like, really? Yeah. Well, there's an accepted risk in everything and you sign the waiver. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so in terms of your offerings, I was very excited to um, see your latest one, right? So why don't you tell everybody, what's the program you just started?
1: Um, it's called Gnarly Babes Fitness, and it is an online program for um, girls who race and ride dirt bikes. Um, it's, it's a strength and conditioning-based program um, just to get girls strong for better bike skills.
0: That's amazing. And I yeah. <laughs> I just love... Finding something. If anybody does look up Erica after this, we'll put up, you know, places to reach out to her. Uh, You'll see she's got tons of pictures of her on her motorbike. Like, so A, it's completely authentic to you. And B, it's a market that I have never heard of anyone serving like directly. I'm sure the top, you know, people that are into it get in shape, you know, to be able to support it. But and, and I don't think people realize like, any type of as as a former BMXer, mm-hmm. like just riding postures and stuff alone. Yeah. You you yeah. need to work on stuff to counteract the negative effects on that. And I would imagine the vibration and stuff and the impact must be huge.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, you fall, I mean, I've, I've fallen and had my bike land on top of me and, and it's <laughs> 210 pounds and, you know, I got to be in some awkward position, either pushing it off of me or picking it up off of me. And then, I mean, if I'm on the track, like, I got to get my ass out of the way. Like there's other people coming. I gotta get, I got to pick my bike up fast, get on my bike and get out of the way before I get ran over. But I mean, there's that aspect of it, but just I, people don't realize how intense motocross really is or like enduro cross. Um, just how in shape you have to be. It's not just like sitting on the bike and just going for a joy ride. It's <laughs> it's pretty intense
0: <laughs> it's just like being on like one of those you know beach cruisers in venice you know just on that on that, on that path yeah it's like a zooter. what's that the, the big the adult version of the mini razor you know the the razor scooter what's that it's like a zooter or something like that yeah i know what there.
1: you're talking about i don't know what it's called though
0: yeah i'm just gonna throw this out here uh listeners if anybody ever sees me on one of those you knock me off of it <laughs> it's just I still don't understand why we have to try to make things better or easier than a skateboard when it comes to that. (laughs) It just drives me crazy, whether it's, like, hoverboards or the one wheels or motorized skateboards or any of that stuff. Just, you know what? Like, skateboards are pretty rad, and you could do a lot of stuff on them without having to get fancy. Um, Just skateboard. or. (laughs) Get a bike, like a proper bike. bike. (laughs)
1: Yeah, right?
0: (laughs) Remember, like, I remember there was a phase where they tried to make, like, a scooter bike back in the day. It was, like, either, like, in the 80s or, like, the early 90s, where it's, like, you stood on the bike, like, the bar. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You stood on it, but it was, like, a bike.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Those came back. I I feel like they came back a couple years ago.
0: (sighs) Can we (laughs) make an online training group to, to, to not have people do that? (laughs) (laughs) um what else is going on in your world right now so you've got this program and is this an online program that like is it it kind of an online thing or are you bringing people into your facility Uh, no
1: no it's all online um i've got girls from all over the country signed up so far i've got a pretty cool group of like four or five girls in the program that are doing this like crazy 24 hour woods race where it's kind of like a, a relay race but on their bike and it just goes for 24 hours straight so they're trying to train for that, which is wild.
0: <laughs> Have you noticed there's i I've just caught it with one of my, you know, uh, friends and people that I trained both online and in-person, Hillary Lorenz. Like she, for New Year's Eve, ran for 24 hours straight. Like, I think she might've stopped for like, I don't know. She's going to catch me wrong, like a little bit, but she ran. I th- she's going to hate me when I say it. I want to say it's like 86.2 miles. Jesus. Basically straight right? No relay, no like Wait the next day, like 86 miles. And I find the longer I've been in fitness, the more either people are getting smarter at training or crazier in their willpower. Mm. But hearing about 24-hour races and these, you know, it seems like ultra marathons, though not popular, but getting more notice. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy how things just continue to progress towards like pushing that envelope. I mean, skateboarding too, motocross yeah, as well. Yeah. I remember when Travis Pastrana was, like, the first person to do a backflip. Yeah, I was just like, going to
1: bring that up. Now, now you can't get into, like, X Games if you can't do four in a row. It's, and it's just, like, how far are you going to push it until <laughs> enough is enough, you know?
0: And then it's, um, you know, skateboarding. So, uh, Nigel Houston, Houston just put out a video. I think it was for Nike. And I don't know if anybody remembers when, like, PlayStation came out or the PlayStation 2 Tony Hawk Pro Skateboarder. And it was so cool because you can link up all these moves. And and that basically happens in reality now. It's insane. (laughs) So if anybody is into skateboarding and wants to see, like, where we're at and what can be done on on rails and stuff, like, look up Nigel Houston's latest video. It just came out, like, a week ago. And it's just insane. And he's a kid that's been doing this since he was, like, I want to say, like, eight years old. Like, he was, like, one of the early element pros making money. And, uh, you know, now he's still a relatively young cat. But I would imagine – the wear on him has got to be pretty severe at this point.
1: Yeah, I know like most motocross guys and girls retire like in their early 20s.
0: It's pretty brutal. I know, um, I hope I don't like butcher his name, Carrie Hart, Pink's husband. Yeah, yep. So every now and then he would come into Five Points Academy and train with the owner, owner Steve Millis, and uh, super nice guy, but, you know, train just kept on training, you know. Uh-huh. I, I can only imagine the toll because I think he was one of the early – was he the first backflip guy? He might have been. It was either him or Travis Pastrana. I don't remember.
1: I want but to I th- say it was Travis Pastrana, but... Um,
0: but I think Carrie Hart might have gotten, like, horribly wrecked trying it or yeah. something. Like, there was something yeah. about about that. But super nice guy. But, like, all these folks got to train hard, A, just to be able to c- continue to do what they're doing, and B, also just to sort of maintain what damage has been done to their body so it, they can actually still move around. It's, it's yeah. insane. yeah. Yeah, I don't know, like, where there's this, like, continuum of, like, what 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 the sports and the things we have, how, like, truly, truly difficult they are and the toll it takes on the body, but then also comparatively to some things, like, how it all has a similar baseline. Like, I know I would get hurt skateboarding, blow out my knee, whatever, and people would be like, isn't it time to give up? <laughs> and then those same people would go and go snowboarding and blow their knee out, but because snowboarding was more of a socially accepted downhill sport it was like mm-hmm. oh was it that was not weekend warrioring once a yeah. month wasn't any more
1: yeah.
0: dangerous than me going out in the pool like skating
1: yeah every exactly. week?
0: it's so bizarre yeah um let's talk about music because yes. i think that's another thing that i didn't realize until we got to hang out uh what kind of music are you into
1: <laughs> i'm gonna be one of those people who says everything but um
0: no that's legit like name name like like three of your favorite bands or at least right now.
1: Number one favorite band would have to be Deftones. Deftones was kind of what I got into in high school that kind of, like, bridged me into heavier music. Awesome. Um, the other two, like, I could list a million bands. Don't let yeah. me go there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry about it. You're up the hook. Yeah, Deftones, I think the craziest thing is, for me, is, you know, I got into Deftones when they started blowing up, you know, uh, in the 90s, mm-hmm. right? They were, like, a 90s, late 90s, yeah. early 2000s yeah. band. And then... I didn't listen to them a lot. And then the Diamond Eyes album, if anybody hasn't heard that album, that album is insanely good. Yeah. And really probably, it's, I would say it's their best album. And what I didn't realize is that Sergio, so one of my top favorite bands of all time is, is the New York hardcore band Quicksand. And uh, we talked about Sergio, the bass player on the podcast episode with Gavin Van Vlack from Burn. Sergio is just like an insane bass player. And you, you can hear in the the, the more... From Diamond Eyes coming to now in their albums, his influence within it. So it's still very much Deftones, but there's something even more powerful, yeah. but also more relatable, that makes sense. And what I didn't get – have you seen them live lately?
1: Um, not last year, but the two years before.
0: All right, cool. Uh, what album was that? The, I always mispronounce it. Like I'm going to butcher it. It's, it's like Noya Kayan or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking that up. I'm sorry, Deftones guys. Don't uh, – don't be mad at me for, for <laughs> butchering that one. I, I'm going to try to look it up. Um, but we saw them on that one for the first time, and then we saw them on the new album this year. And what I never put together is, like, their sound is they're, super heavy new wave in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: especially when you see the singer on stage, like, you kind of, wow, you're just a super heavy new wave band. And I fucking love that about them. Koi no you can. I'm there sure I'm still
1: <laughs> butchering
0: that, but that's, that's what the I'm, closest
1: uh, we're gonna get.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm gonna call it. Sorry guys, but you're right. <laughs> if you haven't seen the Deftones in a long time, they're still crushing it. You should go out and check it out. And they tend to be one of the few bands that actually packs like really good lineups. I know in the last like seven years, I feel like bands don't care about the whole lineup the same way they used to. Yeah. And it's kinda can get mediocre, but we just saw them. Gosh, who they play with? It was like Rise Against, Thrice, and Deftones. Like, it was insane. Yeah, that,
1: that was the last tour. We saw uh, – I saw Thrice. They, like, stopped by in Connecticut, I guess, somewhere between wherever they were playing with Deftones and did their own show, and I saw them, and they were awesome.
0: That album, Artist in the Ambulance, is –
1: Classic.
0: <laughs> my gosh. Like, you know, like – and and I was a pretty older dude when that was, was happening, mm-hmm. and I, I stopped listening to it for a while. It just faded off my radar, and – I realized some of my, my most special blogs that I've written have titles from thrice or under <laughs> It's like some old emo dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> but, but that album in particular, like it's almost a shame because you know, like they've made a lot of good stuff since, but nothing in my head as perfectly complete as the artist in the ambulance album. Yeah. Yeah. And the lyrically too, like just powerful, yeah. but like the lyrics, like for that song and um, gosh, what is it? Paper wings. Is that the name of the song? Oh, I hate it when I'm spacing out on stuff. (laughs) But "Artist in the Ambulance is, like, amazing. And then I'm looking it up, folks. You're going to have to deal with me as I go on internets for this. Where are all the songs from this crap? Here we go.
1: It's still still on that album, right? The
0: Melting Point of Wax. That's (laughs) it. That, doing. <laughs> but it talks about it, like yeah, the melting yeah. point of wax. Yeah. That song, the lyrics on that—if you want to lift some shit right now, or like you're just like, I don't know if I want to work out right now, or my life's kind of down right now, or I don't know if I want to make a bold decision—I <laughs> I get so hyped <laughs> by that song, and I'm like, I'm like a 45-year-old man <laughs> getting hyped by like probably like a 19-year-old's lyrics, still. <laughs> But they were really good like i was like yeah. i had i didn't know if they were gonna like them but they were they were really good and we saw deftones like the the, the year earlier in coney island um with uh the refused which kim's a huge fan of them and, and yeah and I, went to, I went show. to that show see this is like with these things we didn't know about yeah <laughs> um all right so enough of music and with online training, so that program, how long is that program, the Gnarly Babes program run for? Like, so someone signs up, how long does that go for?
1: At uh, 12 weeks.
0: Awesome. And moving from there and from what you do in your facility, is there any place, like any other avenues you see yourself going? Is there anything like you have coming up that you're working on?
1: Um, not really. Uh, Gnarly Babes has been taking up a lot of my time, but um, I'm doing... Um, pre and postnatal certification now, because that's like, super intriguing to me all this stuff about um, pregnancy and, and postnatal that that just, I didn't know about a lot of the women that I work with didn't know about who have had kids. Um, and I consider a lot of I consider any woman who's had a kid, even if their kids in, in their 20s, uh, to be postpartum. And I, I there's a lot of considerations to take in when working with those women. So I wanted to learn more about that. So that'll be my next thing to work on.
0: Yeah. Right now I know I want to focus on nutrition, a just cause I'm like looking in the mirror about it. Like, I just want to get even as, uh, excuse me, as smart as I can on that front, but the pre and postnatal stuff I think is really important. And I, yeah. cause I tend to be, you know, uh, uh, the majority of the people that I train tend to be in their like, you know, low thirties to late forties mm-hmm. and, a lot of women are having kids later Mm -hmm. and it's falling into my wheelhouse of like, here's the first or second kid. And I know with the OSE stuff and uh, the DVRT stuff in particular, like it seems to help a lot just as a byproduct of how the systems are run and set up. But uh, I, I definitely want to have more of a head on it, especially like really appreciating like someone's had a C-section. Yeah. What the hell that's yeah. really doing to people in the long yeah. term? Because that is something that can have a long-term thing. And certainly uh, not even just postnatal, but also just uh, as – Women get older, the whole pelvic floor issues that start to happen. I feel like I'm in that age range now where that's coming up where more and more people I deal with, they're going to have it. I just, yeah. I don't want to be faking it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And I think like as trainers, we need to also like bridge the gap so that um, our clients are comfortable talking to us about that stuff.
0: Oh, it's super true. Yeah. It's uh. Uh, what I think is a really good trend, right? Like I think on this podcast, we can talk sometimes about things that aren't necessarily good trends because it's easy to, you know, it's easy to try to bring awareness by shining a light on something's bad. I don't know if that's like the best way to go about it, but I yeah. do think I do think opening up, if someone can hear something and be like, oh, I thought that was actually like a the right way to do it and maybe it's actually potentially hazardous, like maybe that's a positive way of doing it. But I do think a very positive trend and and people that I meet like yourself is that we are really trying to be more well-rounded. We're not necessarily all trying to train everybody. Mm -hmm. Like I think we're trying to find, I don't want to train a million people. I'd like to help a million people, but I I personally, if I could have 200 people over the course of the next three years consistently be involved with me in one way or another, I'd be really happy with that. Like I don't need 2000 I don't need to make a ton of money. I need to make a decent, you know, decent enough living that I can like, you know, put some money away, get out of debt, help my kids with college, you know, take the wife on a vacation every now and then. Yeah. But I think a lot of us are starting to open up to that. Like, even if it's our wheelhouse, stepping outside of our wheelhouse and Mm -hmm. trying to fill in the gaps Mm -hmm. versus just like grabbing certs for the sake of certs, which is something that comes up on this a lot. Yeah. What do you see as a positive trend coming up?
1: Um, That's a really good question. Um, I guess what we talked about before earlier, um, just about authenticity and more people opening up about, um, perceived flaws or just, just showing them as a real person. I think that's a really good trend.
0: Yeah. I hope, and I hope it stays sincere.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's the hard one. You know, I remember, uh, and Kristen Callan. Callahan who you know we've we talked about this when she was on the podcast you know she wanted to write a real personal blog um and, and I sort of helped her along with that a bit and it was beautiful like it was really great and I know for me most of the feedback that I've had on pieces that I've written have like not been fitness related they've been mm-hmm. on like f- like feeling awkward or taking you know like they're the <laughs> the email emo under thing reinventing <laughs> re reinventing your exit is definitely the biggest thing that I ever uh, most popular thing I've ever written because it it was outside of fitness it was just about like you you know the one thing I say is as I'm 45 is like I don't feel really old but I'm also not super young like it's kind of crazy like I'm in like you know I'm now in my second marriage I've got two kids like you know I've gone from owning a home to sleeping on couches to having a decent apartment. Like I've just gone through a lot late in mm-hmm. life again. And so I still feel very young in a way it's like coming out of college again. Yeah. But I, I also have this sense that fuck, I completely went off the rails on this, that we we have to be honest about being, no one's got it right. I guess yeah. is the thing, right? All we can do is try. And as our clock starts to like, as we move along, we can either accept that we're comfortable, potentially we're truly happy. I, I don't know too many people that are like truly happy where they are. We tend to get locked in where we are, mm-hmm. and I just feel like this is all going to be over so quick, and I mean that in a beautiful mm-hmm. way, not in a, yeah. not in a morbid way, that if you're really unhappy, there's got to be a way you can try. Now, I don't mean go quit your job and say screw the money, quit your job when you have mouths to feed and stuff. But you can make educated risks, and you can start building towards something. And I think not enough of us do that. And I think so when you can be honest about the things that you're facing, people can be like, hey, they don't feel alone, and be mm-hmm. more than not feeling alone. And like, hopefully, they can take an action step. you know. And so when I, when I write now, like I, I really hope people get action steps like as opposed to just like that was emotional and I feel moved right like I just watched fried green tomatoes with Julia Roberts and (laughs) that was moving but but after the movie's over (laughs) it's like all right now I'm gonna watch you know something else with Julia Roberts I don't know why I brought that one up
1: (laughs) (laughs) but that's a really good point though with with the action steps
0: yeah so I feel like that's a really good one but I also feel like man we're coming into this thing where people know that they can try to like they've seen ways to make a buck by being Trying to fit a category that might not be their thing, mm-hmm. just to make it. I don't mean like something like, uh, you know, people would talk about how Cressy didn't plan to be the baseball spot. They just started building it and they embraced it. Like that's mm-hmm. different versus like, you know, uh, if if all of a sudden I had, if say say if, if Fury Industries became like a, a multi million dollar company, and all of a sudden other groups or gyms started claiming Godzilla as their mascot, like that would be like horse shitty. Like there's just yeah, no way you were there. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you were really into Powerpuff Girls or Snorks or Smurfs and you were like the Smurf gym and you had good programming, like that would be a thing. So there's this weird thing of like people trying to become authentic, but is it even authentic if you're trying to become authentic versus just being yourself?
1: Yeah. It's, a, hard. Yeah.
0: it's a fucking puzzle. Yeah. It's like a Rubik's cube and a Hellraiser cube put into yeah. one thing. <laughs> And
1: smurf I, gym though.
0: Smurf gym. Smurf gym, right? Somebody should do that. Like just you, you have your baseline color logo. Everything's gonna be <laughs> Smurf blue. And you can just call like every curse instead of saying cursing stuff. Like you can totally be safe now and just call everything Smurfy or Smurf that. Um I want 10% of the Smurf Gym. And there's probably a fetish group out there that's ready to sign up and is finally, oh, yeah. Yeah. finally like, we're gonna be served. They're like, you know, four. Feet behind the plushies, and uh, <laughs> Eric and I get 10% when this first Smurf gym
1: <laughs> cringing. <laughs> Could you imagine?
0: <laughs> you walk in, and like immediately, instead of like a tanning spray, you just get sprayed blue. Blue, yeah, <laughs> you get a free white hat. But I feel like sometimes we're not that far off. Yeah, <laughs> fitness, yeah. Is, fitness is a weird one. I remember when that last Hunger Games thing came out, the movie came out, uh, like I heard that there were like Hunger Games-themed classes. And I don't mean like a novelty, like, like a, a Hunger Games class. It's like, man, can't we just lift weights?
1: <laughs> well, there's, I know there's like Harry Potter yoga, which I would, to- <laughs> I would totally do. But, I mean, I guess that's along the same lines. It
0: would be Quidditch. Yeah, Yeah, we're gonna do a hard style quidditch Quidditch. certification. (laughs) (laughs) The HQC. I'm gonna bring this to Dragon Door. I'm gonna go email John Duquesne right now. And uh, we're gonna make an iron broom. Uh it'll basically be mace training, but with a it'll be shaped like a broom instead of a mace, but it'll be like fully steel. Melody Schoenfeld, I'm coming for you. Iron Monkey's gonna make us iron brooms fire bolts you know circular motions and stuff like that and a lot of like the pony riding stuff (laughs) this is perfect this is perfect (laughs) what other brilliant ideas can we offer up to the people (laughs) um hey uh we've been talking for almost an hour already that happened really fucking fast (laughs) Um, so let's go this. Is there any, anything you would like, uh, to share with the listeners before we start to wrap this up, anything going on, any courses you're going to take? Uh, I know you said you're looking for the pre and postnatal stuff, but are there any workshops you have signed up that you, somebody you you would, or somebody, something that you've taken that you'd really suggest someone check out?
1: Well, RKC, obviously. I was not, um, I was not fishing for that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um no i've been i've been eyeing uh, os for sure uh
0: i'm just gonna say april 8th vermont come out to casey's place you should just do that now oh
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: just, just sign up
1: it's not sold out
0: no sign oh, up oh, okay. i don't mean like no people have signed up but like no and even if it did guess who'd make space for you y- yes yeah, you know <laughs> 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 but yeah come to that one april 8th okay. casey's place
1: cool cool but yeah that's pretty much all on my radar right now it's
0: about awesome it. awesome hey if people <laughs> want to learn more about you training with you gnarly babes um where can they find you
1: uh instagram at erica hurst underscore erica's with a k um or at Hurst strength ct nice my gym
0: hey erica can you tell the listeners to die mighty
1: die mighty dude <laughs> hey, awesome.
0: hey thank you so much for coming on and just being awesome it's been it was really cool having you back in the strength faction yeah is awesome um, you know i'd also say at some point come out take your rkc2 so i can see you crush that as well um but no rush on that i'd Not love
1: much. to do iron maiden i would love to
0: where are you at on the lifts i'm not <laughs> i think you're probably closer than you think
1: i could be yeah
0: but let, let, let's talk if there's anything on a programming perspective that i can help with that
1: yeah that's a, that that's on my radar too i guess to answer that question
0: oh that'd be amazing um yeah. i'd be, i'd imagine you'd be almost running up to artemis for lightest smallest iron maiden could be <laughs> hmm, record setting potentially um <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, listeners, check out all of Erica's stuff. She is one of those people that when you run across, walks the walk and is truly authentic um, in a lot of ways, uh, in all ways. Like, it's just cool getting to hang out with you and your, and your boyfriend when he comes in too. Um, good people. And, you know, one of the nice things about... The strength world is there's a lot of good people and we tend to find each other and the not are so great people seem to weed themselves out over time because this job's pretty stressful if you don't love it uh so shared passion's a good indicator usually and if you like this podcast go to patreon.com coach fury podcast and you can donate some money to the show by becoming a patron And I would love you for that, but I love you anyway. So, you know, no judgments there. So check that out. And if you want to train with me, uh, either online training, personal training, or come take classes at Fury Industries in Gowanus, which is in Brooklyn, New York, head over to coachfury.com. You can also join Eric and I, no pressure there at OS (laughs) for Monica Casey's place. Uh, I'm also coming out to Austin, Texas. I do have an RKC2 coming up in New York. There's lots of stuff happening. Um, so head over to coachfury.com for all of that stuff. Subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. And as always, thank you to Rich Carpenter for drawing the Die Mighty logo. Uh, thank you to Glenn Urieta who continually, <laughs> I can't wait to see the picture for this one, by the way, Erica. Uh, it will be Godzilla motocross related. Yes. Um, Glenn <laughs> Urieta continues to crush these pictures and I keep trying to come up with sillier ideas and he keeps saying, sure, got it, cool, can't <laughs> wait, challenge accepted. Uh, and to the FTW for, prep, for, for for providing the music, words hurt, um, for the metal music before the course. And of course, listeners, by the time this comes out, or after this comes out, shortly after the day this comes out, we will hit 6,000 listens on on 26 episodes, sorry, 20, yeah, 26 episodes in the Films of Fury episode. And I know that's not a lot, right? Like, I know, like, in the land of, like, um, probably every other <laughs> fitness podcast or whatever, that's not a lot of listens. But it's Thousands more than I ever expected. So for those of you that have been listening, thank you. Like seriously, thank you. I was talking with somebody offline on this. It's like this podcast has become a really rewarding thing to do. Getting to spend an hour talking with Erica and my other friends and getting to know people. um, It's just been great. And it's actually helping like really creatively drive me and with where I'm going. And it's helping me be more authentic because like... I. I can't pre-plan these conversations. For anybody that's listening, like we occasionally like write like maybe three or four topics and then just go where the conversation goes. So um, thank you for that. Uh, I'm glad you're out there. Keep listening. And with that, stay tuned for the next episode, uh, episode 27, where Fury meets Seth Morgan. <laughs> it's a good one too. So take care, everybody. The Coach Fury podcast is created, owned, and produced by yours truly, Steve, Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit theftw.nyc.com for band, album, tour, and merchandise information. And the artwork is created by Glenn Urieta. Visit glennurieta.com That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or on Instagram at glengurieta. Thanks, everyone.